Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! He died? And this is supposed to be a kid's podcast. Hello, and thank you so much for listening to the supplemental materials for the Little Marty podcast. It is Muppet Month, as you very well know. My name is Jeremy Ralph, and I'm sitting here with the uh, my, my delightful co-host... Captain Eric, meet me, ahoy. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, this is a very special uh, episode. This is our final episode in Muppet Month. Uh, we've been doing this on our Patreon. We have been uh, we've been covering, you know, uh, we didn't cover every Muppet movie. We covered four of them in a row and uh, did some of the best ones. We're ending now on Muppet Treasure Island, and we're going to make this episode available to everybody for freezies uh, because we have a special guest today, and I want to share him with the world, especially with our uh, with our fans, with the Little Marty fans out there. Little Martys, we call them. Right, Eric? Yes. Little Martys. Little Devils. Yeah. Little Devils. Little Nickies. <laughs> They're running around there. Right. Uh, yeah, so uh, I met this guy a while back. He's uh, he's a musician. Uh, and quite a, a pretty good musician at that, actually. Uh, he works with me at the core vaccination site. But, man, when you start talking to this guy, you... <laughs> You kind of wonder what the what the H E double hockey sticks is even doing there with all of uh, his his credits and overall cool vibe. Uh, he also he also happens to be like a Muppet fiend, a Muppet freak, so to speak. He heard he overheard me talking about this podcast and just just showered me with Muppet facts, trivia, and impersonations. I'm sitting here with the I gotta uh, hear some of these with the great Danny Henry. What's up, pal? How are you? Thank you so much for having me. This is my wildest Muppet dream come true. So I, I'm in. I'm enthralled to be a part of this. Yeah, um, we're lucky you. to have you, buddy. Thank so you. I, I want to know all about your Muppet fandom. I want to know all there is to know about it. And I, I, you know, if if you would, if you would, you know, uh, be so kind, I wouldn't mind hearing one of these impersonations. But first, what's it like working with Jeremy? <laughs> um you know what the the chains that he has wrapped around me at work they're they're just terrible like he yeah he has chains wrapped around me he has a stretching machine it's just <laughs> oh it's terrible like he dehydrates me and yeah. uh, to like, be fair it, though i'm a masseuse eric that's what i do for a living I, I, right i, I right. chain him down to to help his to, to massage his little back no, I uh, we 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 met like pretty much day one at Dodger Stadium, and I don't know what it was. I think we just hit it off like two, like two of the best friends anyone could ever have. Like uh, I just I just really dug working with him. Anytime he was there, it was like a special little treat. Mm. I, uh, my cameos are glorified uh, yeah. that I make, and I had a van up until a day or <laughs> two. Uh, well, yesterday <laughs> they took away my van because they're closing down our site and we did a photo shoot with my van because uh, Yeah, Danny I'm, Danny would bring uh, us supplies like water and like 
granola bars and stuff that we need to mm. keep our vaccination site running. And he had this van <laughs> he would drive around in. And uh, because they're closing down the vaccination site at Dodger Stadium, they took all of his they took his van away, <laughs> which is a, oh. which was sort of like tearing a, a you know taking taking a badge away or from you know so taking some an officer's badge and gun just done no more right. Well, some people were team golf cart, but I was totally team van because I'm like, that van would win. It would destroy that golf cart. No yeah. question about it. Yeah, um. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, yeah, so Danny, um, a little bit though, I want to hear about your Muppet fandom, but first, uh, a little bit about yourself. Um, I know that you, you, know, you, have, uh, you recently scored a, a, a feature-length film, um, did a yeah. bunch of music for that. Well, I wrote I wrote the songs for the movie. Right, I, you didn't I, score I, it. Sorry. Yeah, I didn't score it. I I want to I want to score eventually, but right now I just wrote the songs for this movie. It's called uh, and it's playing at all sorts of festivals right now. Yeah, and it's uh, yeah, and I'm yeah, it's something that's really really cool. And I was able to pay my rent last year off of songwriting from selling like this music to this movie and that was i had a very wonderful pandemic it was very lucrative Mm -hmm. for me yeah so i got cash cash over fist (laughs) oh yeah it was it was darling it was quite quite darling but i tell uh, i wanted the listeners tell them about this museum thing too this like this this, because i feel like i feel like this is actually like it isn't just like a cool thing i feel like it's kind of an important thing you did um, well, there was something with uh, the Los Angeles uh, Center for Cultural Innovation, uh, in addition to the um, let me, it's the arts, the arts council. And That's how cool he is, Eric. He doesn't even know what it's called. Yeah, I am <laughs> looking at what it is called yeah. now. It's with the Los Angeles City Council, and it's with um, the. Los Angeles Department of Cultural Affairs. So what they wanted was for uh, someone to write a song about the pandemic, and uh, they they narrowed it down to certain. Uh, it's and it's in a curatorial showcase. It's on display right uh, right now uh, in Los Angeles, and they wanted people to write a song. It's called Reimagine Public Art, and it's about what people the art that they did during the pandemic and they commissioned me to write a song about the pandemic and I wrote one called We All Live Once and uh, I didn't want to do just like a standard wear a mask song because I think that's obnoxious and everyone's doing it and so I wrote a song about everything because and um, actually this relates to my adoration of Jim Henson because my mantra in life is a Jim Henson quote which is um I'd like to leave this world a bit better than when I got here. And so uh, this song is called We All Live Once. And it's about just, you know what, we're not here for long. Uh, we might as well be kind to each other and help each other out. So the song's about that, but in a non-cheesy way, which is very hard to do. And uh, so the city of Los Angeles commission, they paid for it and I recorded it and it's 
called We All Live Once. It's out there. And then they took another performance of mine, actually, when we were a testing site at Dodger Stadium because people hadn't seen live music in so long. It was when the rates were spiking like crazy, where yeah. so, uh, some days our positive rates were over, uh, they were over 25%. And mm-hmm. that's insane. Like one in four people were positive for COVID. And I played piano for... Uh, the droves while they they came into the lot and waited hours and hmm. there's a video of me performing that's on display in the this museum exhibit right now which i think is really really cool so i'm i'm yeah. so proud of it and yeah i'm very fortunate it's it's incredibly cool it's uh yeah it's 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 an honor to get to know you an honor to meet you uh you know and I, I, I mean, I do feel like I need to say this. Uh, Danny mentioned that he didn't want to write just another wear a mask song, but that is because he's staunchly against wearing masks. I mean, it is uh, no. part of his thing yeah. is that he hates masks. So, no, I am reclaiming the word libtard. So, <laughs> okay, uh, great. <laughs> There Perfect. Is, no, I, I am pro mask. I, it, it, <laughs> I I do play a game. Like it, it, I, this is my main point of conversation. It's like some people look better with masks, some people don't. I feel like I'm one of the ones who looks better without a mask, and mm-hmm. I'm still wearing a mask. So that yeah. is how Th- there you go. I feel about it. Uh, now let's pivot this because you know this is infinitely interesting to me that you know somebody who, you know. Is somebody being as as a, a ferocious of a Muppet fan as you are? It's not something you see every day. I mean, I I love the Muppets, and I feel like you even take me to school with with your fandom of them. Where does that come from? What where what is your history with the Muppets? Uh, my older brother was really into it, and you know how I, I don't know if you have an older sibling, either of you, but if you have an older sibling, you tend to like what they like uh, mm. because you want to fit in in the cool people um like group in your house and the older siblings the cool person so yeah. at least when you're like two they are yeah. and no my brother my brother's still really cool I, uh, he's awesome uh but we um we uh, my introduction to the muppets was really it was because it was muppet treasure island and then muppet babies like the reruns that would air on nickelodeon i was obsessed with them and so that is how i really got into the muppets and then when i got older i got into them and when the 2011 jason siegel movie came out i was walking into school and got hit by a car on my way Whoa. into uh, like in the crosswalk the car just wasn't looking they hit me with the car i had bruised kidneys oh. and i i was peeing blood oh. and i was borrowing my mom's car that night and i had the only uh, i had tickets to the only midnight screening of the muppets in connecticut so i did a no pain no gain thing the <laughs> officer that worked at the school saw it and he's like are you okay oh my god are you all i'm like yeah yeah it's uh, i'm gonna try and walking it off then i saw the only <laughs> midnight screening of the muppets in connecticut that i drove home and i said i woke my parents up at three in the morning i said mom dad i think i need to go to the emergency room and they're like oh my god what's wrong i'm like well i got hit by a car and they're like when did you get hit by a car it's 3 a.m i'm like well while walking into school i needed to borrow the car and i feel like you i might have missed the midnight premiere of the muppets so <laughs> oh I, my god imagine I, imagine going to the midnight premiere of the jason siegel muppets movie and you look over to your right and there's just a guy with like <laughs> 
a bandage around his head, <laughs> coughing up blood, <laughs> yeah. just refusing to miss the midnight showing. Yeah, I was, I, well, I was peeing blood, and yeah. I, uh, like it was a, yeah, it was uh, not the. It, not the smartest thing. And you know what's the worst part? The whole movie was shown in the wrong format, so they gave us free tickets at the end, so it was like square. And so they're just oh my not eating. Yeah, so they didn't even format the screen right to fit the screen. Like, they didn't format the movie to fit the screen, so they gave us free passes afterwards. And then yeah. a few days later, was I think it was two days later, was Thanksgiving, and I saw it again in theaters with those free passes with my dad. Whoa. So that oh, wow. is, it like... Bruce kidneys were taken care of at that point. The blood mm -hmm. had dampered a little bit. <laughs> the blood right. wasn't as strong, huh? No, no. My pee was like orange at that point. So. Oh, good. Great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's what you want. Well, now I feel like, you know, the moment we've all been waiting for, Danny. I mean, I don't know if you're, how comfortable you are with doing an, an, uh, an impression of a Muppet, but he did. I just wanted for the listener. I just want to let you know that he did tell me a story that he would play a concert and he would have different mics set up and he would do like <laughs> little scenes as the different Muppets. Like he would jump from mic wow. to mic speaking as different Muppets. Is that right? That is 1000% correct. Uh, can you, but can you I wouldn't have see a concert like that. <laughs> but I wouldn't have different mics set up. What I would have is one mic and I would move from one side of the microphone to the other, like in a, uh, sort of just walking from one side to the other as they argued with one another. Gotcha. So you, okay. Yeah. So I, that's what I would do. And they would take turns on songs, they exchange verses. Fozzie's really good on the bridges. And then usually, <laughs> usually abruptly, I would stop the song and it would just be chaos. It would not be, and if I'm with a band, it's not like an easy stop. It's a Muppet stop where I'm like, they really start arguing and the whole, everything falls apart because Fozzie has to tell a joke. Right, um, right. Danny, wanna, in, in one of these shows, did you ever cover Moving Right Along from the, uh, the uh, first Muppet movie? In high, I never covered it, but in high school, my sister and I made a music video for it. Awesome. Uh, so we, <laughs> where uh, one of us was Fozzie and one of us Kermit, and we it, it, beautiful. We, but I, I've done Rainbow Connection. Another one that's in the perfect key of Muppets is Octopus's Garden. So that's an, one that I would, I oh, often nice. do as a Muppets. That's um, great. All right. Well, you, I mean, what do you think? You want to do an, an impression for us, or 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 are you good for now? Uh, I, I, I think I, I, I think I could. Um, I do have to back away from the microphone because it will crack. Yeah, this so. is a loud. This is a loud <laughs> kind of thing. Good. Or <laughs> testing. Is it animal? Testing. Testing. Uh, all right. I think that you're. I think that you're ready, guys. Uh, would you guys like to hear a joke? <laughs> Nobody would want to hear my jokes, bear! Or, or piggy, just, just let him tell his joke. <laughs> Fine, just tell your joke, get over with! Why did the chicken cross the road? Oh no, why did the chicken cross the road? He did! He was chicken! Waka waka! <laughs> oh, Alright, easy on the tomatoes. <laughs> 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the Muppets. Thank you, guys. Wow. Beautiful. I'm not going to well lie, done. dude. That is very impressive. <laughs> it's very <laughs> <Yeah>. impressive. <laughs> <That> rules. <laughs> My Kermit is like the Muppet Babies version more than the Jim Henson Steve Whitmire. Mm. So it's more... I got a little bit of Coulier in my voice. Gotcha. As they say. Is that who did that? <laughs> Dave Coulier? Did, did he uh, it was voice? on the first season. It was Howie Mandel and uh. Dave Coulier. And then Dave Coulier took over the rest of the roles after Howie Mandel became too expensive. Because it was when Howie Mandel was still like inflating the rubber gloves on his Ah, uh, Yeah, which was a yeah. huge bit. Huge. Yeah. That caused him some medical issues. Am I am I it, wrong? It did. He lost all his hair. Oh um, my god! And no, his doctors told him not to do it again. But he did it one more time on My Name Is Earl on an episode. Ah, um, uh, wow! So what? A, what a weird bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mean that that's great, Danny. We're super happy to have you here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna launch us into uh, a little bit of the, uh, the the episode proper. Eric, are you down? Did you have anything else you wanted to go over? Do you? you I can't wait. The, yeah, let's let's do it. Okay. You know what? Let's set sail. Let's set sail. So, uh, Muppet Treasure Island is. I'm gonna say it. it pretty much it. It was the last Muppet film before the Jason Siegel film. Am, am I right about that? You are one thousand percent incorrect. No, yeah. Muppets in Space. I don't think comes out after Treasure Island. Ninety nine. It came out. Yeah. Oh, it did. Yeah, and then oh. Kermit's Swamp Years uh, was done, and then um, Muppets Wizard of Oz, and then they moved on to. Oh uh, wow, this is so weird because I, uh, you know what, I'm you're, you're totally right. I, I, I do not remember Muppets in Space coming out. I do not remember the marketing materials for it. I don't remember anything about it, and I was, and I had most of my brain was formulated at 1999 but i'll tell you this i remember every commercial from up at treasure island like i remember everything leading up to the release of this film and watching it in theaters yeah mcdonald's had the toys too that's right yeah and like i remember the quote like pretty good for an amphibian on like that played in the trailers for this film and i remember being very excited about this when i finally got to see it does anyone else remember kind of this time period and leading up to it eric do you remember Muppet treasure island this is like a little bit i do remember the mcdonald's toys i was like seven when this movie came out so i don't remember the marketing too much i i Mm. definitely have seen this movie a lot of times but yeah yeah my brain was still pretty undeveloped before this movie came out um, it I, is it is obviously based on Treasure Island, which is the Robert Louis, uh, Louis Stevenson uh, book, very famous novel, directed by Brian Henson, screenplay by Jerry Jewell, no surprise there, Kirk R. Thatcher and James V. Hart is, of course, starring uh, Frank Oz and Kevin Clash and Jerry Nelson, but we also see, of course, the great Tim Curry in this, as well yes. as... Um, uh, what's his name? Billy uh, Connolly. Billy Connolly, who is a uh, brilliant UK uh, stand-up comedian. Um, this movie cost thirty-one million dollars to make and brought in about thirty-four million dollars. I feel like, as good as this film is, and as much as we love it and have all this nostalgia for it, Muppets are kind of on the decline at this point in the 90s. Do, do, do you guys ag- at least agree with that? Like that we are seeing like less and less of the Muppets and they're, be- and they're kind of waning in popularity at this point in time. I think so. I think they're kind of, yeah, the popularity is going kind of up and down, I think. 
Yeah. Well, I, yeah. Well, sort of, uh, because even when the Muppets aren't doing well, they opened up uh, Muppet Vision 3D at Disney right around this time, and also Muppets Tonight aired on ABC on uh, like Fridays and Saturdays. So they that was was that in the nineties? Yeah, that was was? right around the same time where they introduced Clifford. um, Uh, like they introduced Clifford, and so it was right around then that uh, the Muppets theatrically, theatrically. Uh, they weren't doing that great because even Muppet Christmas Carol that did not do well at the box office at all. It was the home sales that did well for it. And uh, oh, Treasure Island, in addition to that, like Muppet Treasure Island, did better on VHS sales and rentals than it did in theaters. Yeah, and that I guess I don't know. There's something about that that makes a lot of sense to me because I I'll tell you this I. I remember seeing at least Treasure Island in theaters, but man, did I watch, I wear out those VHS tapes for both Treasure Island and Christmas Carol. I just wore them out as a kid. Loved well, them. do you remember how they had the uh, the Muppets version of Kokomo before the movie on the VHS tape? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like they had the music video for their version of Kokomo before, and I was a huge Beach Boys fan. Like that made, I would just replay that part again and again before the movie. Yeah, where is uh, that in the uh, Disney streaming version uh i feel like they do not have the rights um, so <laughs> i feel like you might be right about that yeah um so yeah let's see here uh this is the fifth theatrical film in the muppets franchise um a little bit of trivia about the film danny i know you have a, a bunch more um tell me if you tell me if you've heard uh, any of these before uh, uh, Tim Curry was given a Muppet made in the likeness of him as Long John Silver after shooting was completed. I mean, yes. honestly, <laughs> you know, I don't know how much he got paid, but that's pr- that's kind of worth doing the part to get a Muppet yeah, that, made after you. That rules. <laughs> that rules. Um, yeah, he was also a huge fan of the Muppets for years before doing the movie and has stated in interviews, in many interviews, that he regards this as one of his favorite roles, which, man... I, he is splendid <laughs> in this in this film. He's great. I gotta say, when I was a kid, so my my uh, perception of Tim Curry is tainted by seeing it way too young when oh, I was when yeah. I was a kid. Yeah. And then also, he scares me in this movie, or yeah. he did scare me when I was a kid. Yeah. Did you guys have that experience as well with Tim Curry as Long John, uh, or what's his Long John Long, Silver? Long John Silver. Yeah, I did. Well, I also saw him as a rooster in Annie, and mm. he is just devilish in that, too. So yeah. he, he is not a good guy. Yeah, no, for sure, Tim Curry, can when he wants to be, he can be a menacing figure. And I feel like he's so perfect in this because you're right. He's scary, but he's also, like, got that, like, little... You know he's sedu- he's seductive in this. He like yeah. you want to go on an adventure with him because he's so he's, like he you know how you know how adventure usually has a little bit of danger to it. It's like that's that's his whole vibe is like you might get hurt, but you should come with me because it's gonna be fun. <laughs> yeah. Right, and he's very theatrical in his yeah. mannerisms in his in his performance, which it you know watching it now I was like so charmed by him, but it, it's interesting because you know. I'm 30. I'm in my 30s now. 20 years ago, watching this movie, I would be peeing my pants. I would be. <laughs> I would be peeing blood, much like Danny was after that. Yeah, dude, peeing right. straight blood. Uh, yeah. I yeah. You know, and another thing about Tim Curry 
that I love, or maybe just and this is maybe just pirates in general. Is you know, I started realizing as I was watching this movie that I love pirates, but they are kind of scary. They scare me because they have this like devil may care, but also complete acceptance of death. Right? Like pirates will just straight up die all the time, and it's like they don't really care that much. <laughs> it. I completely agree. That was one of the things that I made note of today. I'm like, wow, they this is a dark movie. It yeah. is very dark and very much death is a thing and it's a part of life and it's gonna happen to all of us. Mm-hmm. Like the goat used to scare me. The goat, I'm just like, Wow, yes. you are a bad guy. You yeah. are not there's no redeeming qualities here. You're just not good. <laughs> that goat uh, is a creep. <laughs> that goat, yeah. I just yeah. I had nightmares about that goat. Like when I think about death now too it's like god the grim reaper is not wearing it like he's not holding a scythe he's not wearing a cloak he is that goat from muppet treasure <laughs> island that is who's going to take me to yeah. the next plane yeah um, I, I i i kind of agree that like you know the the swashbuckling atmosphere of pirate life is like I, I feel like there's probably a lot of death that they handle in the book treasure island because this film goes out of its way to sort of like try to navigate the complicated you know idea and concept of death for what is i mean we agree this is a kids ish movie right like this is definitely for kids but their parents are going to kind of get a kick out of it too all muppets are like that though yeah. they're all for kids and for they're aimed for everyone and for the adults to laugh at too it's like what pixar does now but muppets were doing it before then that's why they could air in prime time, but kids would watch it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, this is kind of a funny one. In the original script, Polly Lobster's role was played by a sultry female parrot who flirted with Silver. A similar character had been used in a sketch in The Muppet Show starring John Cleese as a pirate. When this got, quote unquote, too weird, <laughs> according to the producer <laughs> and director Brian Henson, she was replaced with a male parrot named Stevenson. <laughs> <laughs> who pointed out the changes made the book uh, made for the movie. Stevenson was replaced by Polly Lobster for this movie, but showed up in the PC game based on the movie. Did you, uh, did you guys know that, that this was, no. was a, one, one iteration of this was sexy lobster. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what else could have been in this movie besides a, uh, a sexy lobster is a sexy David Bowie and Mick Jagger. They were yeah. both seriously considered for the role of long John Silver. Oh, I gotta man. say, I w- as much as I think I I I would love to see a David Bowie, uh, Long John Silver. Not necessarily in this movie, but just a David Bowie as a pirate. Yeah, is dude. such a great idea I'm, to me. Man, I'm more man. tantalized by Mick Jagger. That's yeah, like like it's Free Jack era Mick Jagger. So oh, uh, Free yeah, Jack. You know what yeah. I want? I want a whole pirate ship of all of those dudes as pirates on the ship. Like, I want a pirate Mick Jagger, David Bowie, uh, Robert Plant. I want a pirate version of, uh, like, Freddie Mercury. I want, yeah. a, I, want, I want a pirate. I want a whole ship full of all of them as pirates. And you could put Keith Richards in there, and you wouldn't have to put him in hair and makeup or, or give <laughs> yeah. him a costume or anything because yeah. he already just looks like a pirate. He already is a pirate. Yeah, he he didn't even remember his, his filming Pirates of the Caribbean. He's quoted as saying that, uh, it, it, like he didn't, it, and that's who Jack Sparrow is based off of. Also, really? I think Jack Sparrow owes a lot to uh, Tim Curry for this I movie. I was thinking the same thing while watching this. I was like, you know what? 
Tim Curry did it better. He did it first. And I I like his performance as Long John Silver better than Johnny Depp's as as uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. I do, by the way, I'm not a Depp hater, though. I do like Johnny Depp as Captain Jack Sparrow. I think he's great. But Oh, he's phenomenal. But I think yeah. this role, I'm like, oh, man, this is so, this is so clearly like uh, a, a, a Jack Sparrow before Jack Sparrow kind of thing. I think the right, only thing yeah. that makes it a little different is that Long John Silver is not mobile, right? Like, he is very much at the whim of whoever's going to be carrying him around. So, you know, that kind of rules out a lot of the action that Jack Sparrow kind of brings to the table. Uh, Kevin Bishop, this may not shock you at all, was going through puberty during the filming. <laughs> so they had to <laughs> overdub his singing performances with older recordings of the songs. Uh, fellas, you got to be with me on this. Excruciating Kevin Bishop singing in this, right? Like anytime <laughs> he's singing, it is just so awkward. <laughs> and then they made fun of in the beginning of the movie, like the, the blind uh, pirate that broke into the house, like the mm-hmm. pub thought that he was a girl. So he's going through <laughs> that too. It's like they make him grow a ponytail, then they call him a girl. That's uh, terrible. So, so like just everything, he's going through like those awkward years and they also call him a girl. Yeah, so. this is, uh, this. yeah, he's going through a lot right now. I don't know, Eric, what do you think of the, what do you think of his singing in this? It didn't bother me too much, to be honest yeah. with you. Yeah. But. I, I definitely see what you what you mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about all the um, the uh, the trivia I I know about. Uh, did is it Danny? Did you have any more trivia that you wanted to share? Um, yeah, I do. So the soundtrack is written by the husband. It, well, the score is by Hans Zimmer, which oh. is phenomenal in the movie. Yeah. Like, they got big names, and then the songs are written by the couple, the married couple, the songwriting team, uh, Barry Mann and Cynthia Vale. Mm. Uh, well, and the two of them wrote "You've Lost That Love and Feeling" by the Righteous Brothers. Oh, and, whoa! Uh, so they and they also uh, the Muppets covered uh, one of. Barry Mann's songs because he had a song when he was young called uh, Mr. Bassman. So it goes, Hey, Mr. Bassman, you got that special something. Bum, 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 bum. Mm. Like they, they covered that, the actual Muppet Show did. And he had a relationship with Disney beforehand, too, because he wrote uh, the soundtrack for Oliver and Company. Oh, and, wow. That's a very, that's his, a forgotten <laughs> Disney movie there. It, and his and you would have thought that Billy Joel wrote the soundtrack to that because he's he was in it and he sang on it, but it right. was Barry Mann and Cynthia Well, and then the two of them wrote somewhere out there for American Tales. So they had Whoa. these writers, and they wrote "Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood" together for the by the Animals. Oh uh, my so they've gosh. like so they their music they did not go like with the Muppets have always had great songwriters and yeah. for the Muppets. Treasure Island, just the opening number yeah. is such a big scene. Like it's so big. That's that's what it is. It is such a big uh, like opening in this soundtrack. And there's so many songs in it too. But they did not mess around with uh, getting great songwriters. So I don't I, like a lot of people don't know what 
other songs that they've written, and You've Lost That Love and Feeling is the top played song of the 20th century on on the radio. So they worked Whoa. with Phil Spector, and they also, uh, they, You're My Soul and Heart's Inspiration, they wrote that too. So Jeez. they, uh, the Righteous Brothers, two of their biggest songs, they wrote them, and You've Lost That, they wrote the top played song of the 20th century on radio. Well, I mean, there wasn't a, a top played song of the 19th century on radio, because it wasn't right. a thing. No, no radio. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a top played radio song of all time they wrote. And then they did the soundtrack from Up at Treasure Island, which is pristine. That soundtrack yeah. is killer. All of those songs are big. They have a place in the movie. Like none of them seem in excess. Right. Uh, I'm very and they wrote around Tim Curry's character and things that his range would be perfect for, which is also something that soundtracks don't always do. And or else they miscast someone like the the what's that frog's name? Oh, Russell Crowe in um Lay Miz. Lay Miz, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like like so they that wrote those songs around his vocal range, which is just Perfect. So they had a. I just wanted to bring up as, well, not as just the musician, but as trivia. Like they got such big songwriters on this. Yeah. And um, that's that's amazing. Also, uh, uh, somewhere out there, that's not that's not a song to 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 turn your nose up at. That thing's a freaking banger. I uh, that American Tale song. I love that thing. <laughs> And that was the first like animated movie ever. Spielberg worked on it. It was the first one to be like, you know what, Spielberg? I'm going to make a movie for another studio that shows that someone can compete with Disney animated movies. So they yeah. went all out on American Tale. Yeah. And the two of them wrote that. And I don't know if it won the Oscar. I'm not sure of what the Oscar status of somewhere out there is. But it's such an iconic song. When I buy sheet music books and I you buy the... Sheet music books with hundred most beautiful songs ever, hundred greatest movie songs. Somewhere out there is yeah. always in those books. Oh so. yeah, it's great. It's amazing. Um, cool, man. Anything else you want to share? Um, I really just want to talk about the the movie more than anything. Let's I let's, up, di- let's dive let's into the. Oh then. yes, yeah, I do know a, a, a few more trivia facts. Um, John, uh, so Brian. Brian Henson had just directed. Um, he had, the last movie he had made was Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah, which was and then they decided they're going to make the next movie based off of a literary classic, and they they chose Treasure Island mm-hmm. to make it off of. And initially, the care uh, Kevin Bishop's character he was going to be. Um, he was going to be portrayed uh, in his name. I know Hawkins is the last name. What's the first name? Jim. Uh, Jim Hawkins was going to be two characters, and it was going to uh, to be uh, Rizzo and Gonzo, one playing Jim, one playing Hawkins, and then they decide, you know what, they can't carry a movie, so we're going <laughs> to cast a human character yeah. in, in named Jim Hawkins, and we're just going to cast Gonzo and Rizzo as Gonzo and Rizzo. So Gonzo and Rizzo were the only two that played Gonzo. They played, they played everyone themselves. else played a literary character versus Gonzo and Rizzo, yeah. who played just Gonzo. They played themselves. So. That's that awesome. was spectacular. And Sweetums, no one knows this about Sweetums. Brian Henson, Jim Henson's son, he directed it. 
and John Henson, uh, John Henson is Sweetums. Uh, Jim Henson's other son had been Sweetums for years, oh, wow. uh, and so that oh. is Jim Henson's other son, and he passed away a few years ago. But uh, Jim, uh, like, so it wasn't just one Henson working on the movie. One of the performers was John uh, Jim Henson's son, who was Sweetums, and I think that's, that's really cool too. So it's a brother directing a brother. It's sort of in the same way as James Gunn with his brother. In yeah. Movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and that's like, so. I, that's just a really sweet. That's just really sweet. And and you know, the more you learn about the Hensons, you really get this family flavor from them. Like they just really love the idea of family and and like and like you know, also just fostering like new, always bringing new people into their fold and into their family. Like, I mean, they're they they truly are like dreamers deep down, and they love like, they love like fostering you know other dreamers to like you know building basically building that up i mean it, all the entire cast of sesame street and the muppets from like early on like you you get the sense that they're just a bunch of weirdos you know that they collected along the way sort of like the plot of the muppet movie originally you know just <laughs> um but yeah i uh I, I love that i think that uh i don't know i you know i feel like muppet christmas carol and this film really complement each other in a really cool way because they're they both do. about literary classics they both have amazing music um, mm. And they both have like really great performances by human characters alongside the Muppets. Like, you know, Tim Curry as Long John Silver. Obviously, Michael Caine as Ebenezer Scrooge. Um, and I don't mind. I don't mind that uh, there's this kid playing Jim Hawkins. I, I Jim Hawking. I think. It, I think. It, I think it works okay. I, I like. It. I like him all right. I think. It, I think hey. it's kind of. It's. It's kind of. It's. It's interesting and it's cool and. Um, you know, it gives you it gives the audience someone to want to be. You know, like you kind of want to be Jim Hawking right. surrounded by this Muppet. That's a good it's, point. You know, um, at least as a kid, you know, watching it. Yeah, and it, it, like that, it, it's sort of like the Power Rangers when mm. they introduced the kid Power Ranger Justin, like in Power <laughs> Rangers Turbo. I I'm like, wow, they introduced the kid. I'm into that, and that's that was so cool uh, yeah. that they had a kid character and. One that like yeah he's way older than me but I can relate to him totally uh, in in that way. Uh, in my last bit of trivia, uh, Frank Oz was not available to do the puppeteering, so uh, Kevin Clash did all the puppeteering and Frank Oz just dubbed in the voices for yeah. Miss Piggy and Fozzie. So um, yeah, and um, and yeah, the reason why he wasn't available is because he was directing a little movie called Bowfinger. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anyways, let's get into the plot. So the way this is going to work, Danny, just, you know, since you're a newcomer to the show is I, I'm, we're going to kind of read from Wikipedia, just the plot. And when you, when you have like moments that stick out to you that you want to talk about and isolate, just shout them out. Like, and we'll, we'll discuss them as we go, but we use this as a little guide. So it'll kind of, you know, jog our memories and we can kind of talk about the, the movie as, as it comes. But Wikipedia is, is notorious for leaving out really great details. So, like if you think of some as we're going along with the plot, just just stop me at any point, okay? Oh uh, yeah, uh, I'm I'm amped. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, Jim Hawkins is a young orphan who lives in an inn in England. That's a terrible sentence. In an <laughs> inn in England, <laughs> with his best friends Gonzo and Rizzo. Uh, Jim listens to Billy Bones' tales about the pirate Captain Flint, who buried his treasure trove on a remote island and executed his crew so only he would own the island's map. One night, 
Bones' crewmate, Blind Pew, arrives, giving Bones the black spot. Just before dying of a heart attack, <laughs> Bones gives Jim the treasure map and begs him to go after the treasure and and keep uh, and keep both it and the map safe from pirates' hands. Just Can we then, talk about yeah. how long it took him to die? Like the number, yes. he just can't end, like die and die and die. It's like wow, this, t-. and then he just start talking again. They think he was dead, so they even like they made that a bit. And when so he was di- good, <laughs> and when he was dying, yeah, like they just kept bringing that up. So I just think that it was so funny, and they it, like it's death in a Muppets movie, which uh, they just decide, you know, what it's a really dark thing, and death is terrifying, but let's make it funny. Yeah. And getting Billy Connolly, he it, he lived. It's a small part, but he embraced it. Yeah, he acts the heck out of that part, man. He's like he's he's insane in this movie, and on top of that, I I feel like you're right, like. For a film that has to deal with death a lot, or just like, you know, sword play, gun play, you know, like uh, people, you know, falling down left and right to, you know, to, to their to their doom. I feel like by making such light of it or make, making this kind of joke or making it a bit, like, it, it really does cut the weight of if, if he had just dropped dead, I think, you know, you'd be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> But, well, how about how the second Pirates of the Caribbean opens up with Bootstrap Bill giving Jack Sparrow the mark? Like, the, the, yeah. it's the same exact scene. Yeah. Uh, this uh, this ghost figure comes in, gives him that mark, and wow, I don't think anyone has made the Dead Man's Chest uh, <laughs> Muppet Treasure Island connection. Yeah, no, but, I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I, I love that bit with Billy Connolly, and I feel like... Uh, Especially like you know, he keeps coming back to life to just to give him just random advice. At one point, it's just like, please uh, make sure you yeah. never run with any pointed objects, scissors or otherwise. <laughs> um, great. So uh, yeah, then the pirates attack the inn, and this is an exciting scene. And I love how they handle this too. Like they they really do a good job distinguishing. Like the Muppets have always been good at this. Like safe Muppets from like dangerous Muppets. You know what I mean? Like the evil Muppets yeah. from like the 2011 Jason Siegel film are, are very funny and like, and so clearly designed in a way that elicits some sort of like, Oh, these guys are, are rough. Yeah. Um, and it, so yeah. And then in that, in that scene, when the dangerous Muppets come in they're they're they come in the droves. Uh, something that I noticed, it's like, Wow, they gave Muppets British accents. Uh, so I was, yeah. I was noticing that. And then when Rizzo and uh, Gonzo, uh, they're going through the, they're going through his stuff. They find Henry Kissinger's book, which I was going to mention that. Yeah, I lost it when I, I rewatched. I, I yeah, I rewatched it, and I'm like, what? They, they threw Henry Kissinger's book in the, just the references to the today that they did in an untimely manner, like yeah. not with the times. I thought that was so funny. Yeah, I mean, you know, the Muppets. A lot of the Muppets humor comes from just like current pop culture references and. I just love that it makes it such a little time capsule, you know? Um, uh, the trio takes the map to the half-wit Squire Trelawney, or Fozzie Bear, who arranges a voyage to find the treasure. The boys are enlisted aboard the Hispaniola as cabin boys, accompanied by uh, Trelawney, Dr. Livesey, who's Bunsen Honeydew, and Beaker. 
The ship can is, we, yeah. Can we talk about how Fozzie gets all of his advice from his finger, Mr. Bimble? <laughs> yeah. Uh, because that, if we don't talk about that, that this his dad's away on business and Fozzie's in charge of the shipbuilding business <laughs> yes. and he talks with his finger, Mr. Bimble, to get all of his advice. And it, it, like he, Fozzie's in, a, unlike in any other Muppet movie we've seen, Fozzie's in a position of power because he just has so much money, but he <laughs> listens to his finger for everything. And that is, yeah, if you, you gotta bring that up. It's like yeah. Mr. Bimble is- Mr. The Mr. Bimble bit is one of my favorite Muppet <laughs> bits of all time. It's up there for me with the Phil, the Phil bit in uh, Muppets Take Manhattan, where Kermit oh, yeah. just becomes like a businessman. Yeah. But um, a little, a little piece of trivia about the Mr. Bimble thing. So Brian Henson said that Frank Oz was not originally a fan of the Mr. Bimble bit. Uh, however, by the end of filming. He decided that it was one of his favorite jokes. <laughs> I, I mean, there's, I mean, we'll get to it in a minute, but like when they're all sitting at that long table and they're like, who, who put this crew together? And everyone points to Fozzie and he's pointing at his finger. <laughs> it's, it's one of the funniest bits. It's, it's so well-timed like that. Yep. That's such a good visual joke. Um, anyways, uh, the ship is commanded Wait, by Danny. Ken- I forgot to ask very yeah. important question here. Favorite yes, Muppet. Boy. Oh, yeah. Favorite. favorite Muppet. Oh, goodness gracious. I'm going to have to say Fozzie Bear. Yeah, that's mine. That's a good choice. That's mine. I I have a Fozzie Bear costume t-shirt. I, I wear that around. And, <laughs> uh, like, it's it's so good. Like, it, uh, when... Yeah, I'm very into Fozzie, and I would do when I was working at a COVID nineteen testing site. When people would drive up to the window and I'd give them instructions on how to take their test, sometimes I would do it in Fozzie Bear's voice, just because these people are terrified of getting this plague that's going around. But and they don't think for a second, wow, this dude sounds like Fozzie Bear. No, they're terrified. So this guy's just talking to them, saying. Uh, make sure, make sure that you have your right names on your test kit. You <laughs> cough three times. <laughs> you swallow it around in your mouth for twenty seconds, and they're just thinking someone actually talks like that. So I just. <laughs> <laughs> so Fozzie is my favorite Muppet just because his voice might be the easiest to do, and also he's uh, just ridiculous. He's always so funny and timeless. He's sort of he. If you compare it to the TV show Arrested Development, he's this is David Cross. He's yeah. so good. Yeah. He's like uh, you know, bad bad stand-up comedian is my favorite stand-up comedian. It's the best. I tug on my collar all the time. Yeah. I I look for tomatoes. I've had people th- <laughs> I've had people throw tomatoes at me while I'm playing a concert just because I think it's hilarious. I'm into Fozzie. So. Yeah. Um, the ship is commanded by Captain Abraham Smollett or Kermit the Frog and his overly strict first mate Mr. Arrow, Sam Eagle. The boys meet the cook, Long John Silver, a one-legged man whom Bones warned them of. Uh, But Jim and Silver become good friends. The ship sets sail, but Smollett is suspicious of the crew, believing them to be of shady character. After Gonzo and Rizzo are kidnapped and tortured by three of the crew, who have turned out to be pirates, he has the treasure map locked up for safekeeping. In the... 
in the way that it, well the way that they torture them is with a stretching machine and it's so Muppet-esque and so funny it's something that would have been on the Muppet show also Sam the Eagle wearing Americana wear because yes. he's so American I'm like this is so great in the subplot that needs to be discussed right now is Rizzo running a cruise line yes. on the, yeah. this ship because Rizzo brings all these rats on the ship and it's like a, a 2000s like a 90s cruise and yeah. they're just doing the tacky tourist stuff while on this pirate ship but they're completely with the times versus and they're going on this pirate's adventure and I just think that's so fun they're jet skiing they're having just the <laughs> yeah. best time they're, they're, just, they're eating they're having a dinner show while watching the movie get made and that is one of the greatest subplots in a, a Muppet movie ever and it's so small but like when you see them and all this serious stuff is happening it just takes it oh, I just think that's so funny Rizzo is <laughs> Rizzo is such a great addition to the Muppets too like he oh, yeah. it, like they gave Gonzo the best sidekick ever it oh rocks. yeah that's that's the greatest team of all time I mean I, I, I also think like having Rizzo <laughs> running the cruise ship bit is is one that i could totally see like a less confident comedy writer leaving on the cutting room floor you know being like well that doesn't make sense why do we we don't want to do that but i'm so glad they did it because it's so ridiculous but it works (laughs) well well and just how uh, trashy the like he is when they uh they're just talking with long john silver and he jumps right into a chicken yeah. uh like and just starts <laughs> yeah. eating like the chicken he's like oh yeah he has an appetite and they're he's just eating uh yeah he's just eating the chicken it, like and goes to town on that and risen what goodness gracious and another thing about tim carrey's long john silver you gotta bring up the uh, connection i feel like why he had a small uh, soft spot with jim hawkins is definitely um they both of their dads were first mates so they yeah. have that connection right there and jim never really knew his dad yeah. so uh like they have that connection there no matter like what's wrong with his character he it's can like, help wow. him he can save yeah, they, him. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just like you can yeah. change that dude into be. It's yeah, it's like Daphne thinks she can make Fred smart. At exactly. Some point. I, I you know I'm so, I'm a little surprised though. Gonzo's so cool with Rizzo just diving into that chicken with him and you know. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, you yeah. know what? That's smart. That's smart that they did not have Gonzo join him. Gonzo just looks at him and eats an apple and sort of like, oh man, you're embarrassing me. You know that my wife who is not cast in this movie mm-hmm. probably because of her age in hollywood is not in this uh, yeah. uh movie uh and you're eating you're devouring a chicken from the inside out yeah uh, so that's, that's my that could be my wife pal um <laughs> yeah uh so uh let's see here uh it is revealed that silver and the secret pirates in the crew had been part of uh of flint's crew and want the treasure for themselves. Silver fools Mr. Arrow into leaving the ship to test out a rowboat. Says he drowned and has his minions steal the map during Arrow's memorial service. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I got to say, man, like this, I for whatever reason, you know, Derek, you talked about Long John Silver being scary at the beginning of this. This was the scene that really triggered me when I was watching it again. I was like, I remember watching this as a kid feeling freaked out about this particular scene that he was sending a Muppet to his doom. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, it's like pretty the, dark. Uh, it's pretty dark implications, you know? And, uh, 
And yeah, like I, I, I also feel like, you know, it's a little spoiler for the end, but this moment has one of the best payoffs ever. Like oh, yeah. when it when it comes back. But um we'll get there here in a bit. Well, I also uh, with Long John Silver. I I'm younger than you guys, and I saw this movie at so I saw it at a younger age, and I very much was in the phase where it's like, oh, you trust grownups, and then uh, then yeah. you see Long John Silver like, you know, kill some like yeah, and just send someone some. off to their death, and it's like, oh my god, I trusted him because he was a grownup, and gr- that's where you you listen to grownups, and I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, yeah. Uh, and that so that that sort of shocked me. And can we just talk about one of the uh, names of the pirates uh, <laughs> yeah. that was on the ship? Big fat, big, ugly, big fat, ugly baby eating O'Brien was one of the <laughs> names. And I I laughed so hard when That's they said it. And it was a woman with a male's voice, and she's like, "Yeah, big fat, <laughs> ugly baby eating O'Brien." <laughs> um, Jim, Gonzo, and Rizzo discover Silver's treachery and inform Smollett. Arriving at Treasure Island, Smollett orders the entire crew save the officers to go ashore, planning to keep himself and non-pirate crew aboard the ship and abandon the pirates on the island. However, his plan falls through when it is discovered that Silver has kidnapped Jim to have leverage against the captain. On the the island, Silver invites Jim to join them in the treasure hunt using his late father's compass. When Jim refuses, the Silver forcibly takes the compass from him. Smollett, Gonzo, and Rizzo land on the island in an effort to rescue Jim. However, unbeknownst to them, Silver had hidden a squad of pirates aboard the Hispaniola before leaving, and they capture the ship in Smollett's absence. On the island, yeah. Well, things that we do have to bring up right now. Yeah. Uh, there was a pivotal moment where this is where my empathy for Long John Silver came into play, where I'm thinking, trusting this guy is when they're on the ship and they point to the North Star, and that is where they really connect Jim and him because they're talking about just that North Star, no matter where you are, that's north, and it shows that Jim loves his dad's compass because he knew exactly the direction they were going in, and Jim was impressed by that, and I think that's uh, immediately he took a liking to him. And yeah. So he did have a soft spot for him, and then the way that he got him onto the rowboat, Jim was not supposed to be there, no. and he's he said, uh, let's take, and he's like, oh, can you pick up my crutch? Because Long John Silver has one leg, and he... And he, Jim, you know, he feels bad. He picks up his crutch and gets yanked down to the rowboat. Yeah. And th- that's when the pirates just start holding him down and attacking him. And and he uh, punches the goat. <laughs> yeah, he punches he the goat. Punches you know the what? Goat that felt. That felt good. That felt really good. <laughs> punching that evil goat, who's no good goat. Like he's goat for nothing. Uh, that that goat. That 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 goat. Um. Yeah, uh uh also the this the the number here. The the song is great. The uh the big long John Silver number that he does on the island is a fun fun song. Fun song. Oh yeah. Um let's see here. Uh uh On the island Smollett and the rest of the landing party are captured by the native tribe of pigs where Smollett reunites <laughs> With his uh, w- uh, with his jilted lover, 
Benjamina Gunn, <laughs> Miss Piggy. Boom shakalaka laka. Yeah, the the tribe's queen. Yeah, um, the pirate Who is yeah. <laughs> portrayed by uh, Miss Piggy. Yeah, Miss Piggy. Uh, yeah, which it takes her. Miss Piggy oh, is it an hour it takes for her to get into the movie? Like she, yes. it's a long wait for Miss Piggy. It's worth every second. I think so too. And you know what? Now, Danny, I don't know how you feel about this, but we, t- me and Eric, have talked about this quite a bit on our show. That we feel very strongly that the Muppets, the Muppet films, are at their weakest when they're trying to force like a Kermit piggy love story as like maybe the central narrative of what's going on. Um, like yeah. that, that to us feels just like, it's kind of boring to us. And yeah. like, it's not I think what it, I come to a Muppet movie for. Yeah. I like when they're fighting more than when they're in love. Yes. I, I'm one of those people. Yeah. And I, I like, don't get me wrong. I love the Steve Martin cameo in the original Muppet movie. And, but like in, in, uh, I think it's in, in uh, Muppet Caper, Caper, it's like a lot of that movie is dedicated to their love. Too much, yeah. yeah too and much. I feel like so this was perfect for Miss Piggy to kind of come in late in the game, shake everything up, and because it, it made me miss her more. Whereas I'm not gonna lie, I've gotten annoyed by Miss Piggy at certain times in 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 uh, in Muppet films. You got annoyed by me, hiya. <laughs> <laughs> um, the pirates find that the cave in which Flint hid the treasure is empty, leading to a brief mutiny against Silver. Silver reveals that even though he is a pirate, he cares for Jim and allows him to escape. After reprimanding uh, uh, the crew from using a page from the Bible to deliver a death sentence, Silver and his crew capture Smollett and Benjamina. I gotta say, this is one of my favorite jokes in the whole thing, is Long John Silver somehow conning his way out of being captured by them and dying and by like making them feel so bad and then you see that 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 stupid goat <laughs> being like such a good man such a beautiful <laughs> beautiful man <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh so stupid um right so uh Oh, and Tim Curry in that scene when they have the mutiny, this is something that needs to be brought up. Long John Silver, he's say, he tells Jim Hawkins to run. Like, he's about to die. I and love tells it. Him, you, you know what? I I hope that you don't think I was lying when I said I liked you. Yeah. And he, say, he sacrifices himself yeah. for run, Jim, uh, Jim yeah. Hawkins. I love it. Yeah, I which love is that something moment. That's a depth in a character where they could have just made him a bad guy and, like, pushed like Jim first, but no, he actually, no matter how much of a bad guy he is, and he's a dastardly fella, but he does actually care about Jim in his own way. I know. Uh, and, Tim Curry's portrayal of Long John Silver was so good, it kind of made me want to read this book, which I've never done before, which is like, like if that relation, if all that relationship is, stuff is built into the story of that, of that novel, I'm like, that's pretty good. Like, it's pretty good that like you're always guessing whether or not he's a good guy or a bad guy because he's kind of both at the whole movie. Yeah, uh, mostly a bad guy, but also has these moments of redemption. Um, Smollett is hung from a cliff to fall to his death in an effort to save Smollett. Benjamina reveals the treasure is hidden in her house, but when she spits out a kiss from Silver, he hangs her off a cliff as well. Jim rescues his friends, and with Mr. Arrow, who is revealed to be alive, 
The group regains control of the Hispaniola and rescues Smollett and Benjamina. The group. Can we bring up that Benjamina and uh, like Long John Silver was her rebound? Yes. Like they knew each other beforehand yes. because we aren't bringing that up, and yes. that's a huge deal. It's like, oh wow, Miss Piggy, like you moved on from. Uh, Kermit to Long John Silver and when uh, because Kermit left her at the altar and one of my favorite lines in the movie is when she goes uh, and when he goes I got cold feet and she's like you're a fuck you're supposed to have cold feet <laughs> and I thought that was so good yeah <laughs> it's great it's great I, I gotta also say here uh, and we're getting we're leading up to it here very soon but like this is um you know, we talked a lot about like Kermit riding a bike was such a huge accomplishment in one of those earlier Muppet movies, but this is like on another level, man. Like they got all of the Kermit's whole body, feet and all, doing flips, doing sword sword fighting. It's like they they've really uh you know, there there's been like a a, a strong evolution in his been in their puppetry since uh, oh, the early yeah, days. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, the group engages the pirates in a sword fight until only silver is left standing, but he surrenders when he finds himself outnumbered while the pirates are in prison. Silver discovers he still has Mr. Arrow's keys and tries to escape with the treasure. Jim confronts him and threatens to give his position away while silver draws a pistol in a tearful standoff. Neither can bring themselves to follow their threats and Jim allows silver to leave as long as they never cross paths again, much to their disappointment. Silver rose away, but not before returning Jim's compass to him and complimenting his kind heart. However, Mr. Arrow informs Jim and Smollett that the boat Silver used was not seaworthy and Silver is stranded on the island with no gold. Oh, how satisfying is that? It was pretty satisfying. Um, the crew of the Hispaniola sets away into the sunset, sets sail away, uh, sails away into the sunset, but not before sending some scuba diving rat tourists to recover the treasure from the sea, ending the film. Uh, wow, I gotta say, this 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 movie uses like every piece of the buffalo. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like every part of it comes back in some meaningful way to sort of wrap everything up. I I was very impressed with not only the callback to like the the leaky boat, uh, uh, but like just the tourists having an actual like joke at the end of this movie which is that they yeah. rescue all the treasure and they're in the end credits too and they all, are the all end of them credits. are yeah yeah one uh, one thing that i love is the way that they could fit all the characters in which was one of the best when they're having the ritual uh, like when they're about to be sacrificed and uh they throw the swedish chef in there and they say where where else were yeah. we gonna throw him in the movie and then one of the best ones is also dr teeth and the electric mayhem yes where they it's like how do they fit them in and they are just the cruise band like uh -huh. so they're playing uh, they're playing during the song cabin fever like they're the house band they're playing on the island and then when they say oh we don't know which side to take no and animal goes no politics and yeah. I, I just thought that was so funny like the because dr teeth and the electric mayhem being the backing band in the uh, the show is so good yeah how they did that oh yeah well fellas that is muppet treasure island the 1996 american musical adventure comedy film i am uh again a huge fan i i gotta say um, my memory of this film was not quite as positive as my as my rewatch of it. Like, I'm a huge Muppet Christmas Carol fan, and I kind of, in my memory, always thought that I liked this film a lot less. But uh, it's 
the gap was pretty much closed, I think, with this rewatch. I, I'm, I am now more positive on this film than ever. In fact, I, I, I may always like Christmas Carol a little bit more just because it has so much, like, nostalgia and, like, like we watch it every year at Christmas. But this, this, is, this is a good Muppet movie. Um, what do you guys oh, think? A- I think it's great. I think it's maybe, I mean, from the movies that we watch so far, I think comedically... Yes, and my favorite. I don't know, maybe just like structurally, like just the most well written of yeah. all of them. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it just everything ties together. We get all of the hits, we get all the Muppets. I this is like you know my favorite thing about these Muppet movies is they just every one they just hit on a different genre, and this is just such a fun one for them to do. It's it's just so fun to watch the all these Muppets, and and it's like crazy to me how dark this movie gets I know. even like the way <laughs> yes. it opens like just looking through you know flipping through the first 20 minutes of the movie 20 plus minutes of the movie visually very dark oh, thematically okay. very dark we see someone die <laughs> in a muppet movie yeah uh it's it's crazy and it's it's uh it's like a wild adventure which which is always great and yeah i i i love this movie it's it's really good and i I think I kind of agree with you too. When I was a kid, maybe, maybe, you know, there's just something to be said about appreciating this one a little bit more as you age. Cause I had that experience too, where I, I I've seen this movie many times when I was growing up. Um, but I don't think I appreciated it quite as much as, as this recent, uh, viewing. Yeah. So, Danny, what was your experience like watching this movie again? Um, I saw it a few years ago, and I watched it again, and it's got, you just notice other things every time that you watch mm-hmm. it, because they're so clever, um, I, it's so big, and it, one thing that you have to give it credit for, I don't know if Pirates of the Caribbean would have been greenlit if it weren't for this movie, and it didn't make that much money, but it showed that it could be done, because Muppet Treasure Island, if you look at the 90s, the only other pirate-esque movie was Hook that came out, and there weren't pirate movies being made at all, and they went ahead and did this, and yes, the returns weren't huge, but I don't think uh, Pirates of the Caribbean would have been greenlit, and it's something that... um, you gotta give the Muppets credit for. They've always been bold and they've always done things their own way and they don't care about the critics necessarily and they just made such a movie with, and it was so big that like just the opening number um, is so huge. Like it, I'm talking visually like with the totem poles talking with them burying the treasure with uh, with the original pirate killing everyone. Yeah, like in the opening yeah. scene, he's it just does a mass shooting and kills everyone uh, after they bury his treasure. And I just think that's wild. But then you rewatch this movie and you laugh more than you watched it uh, the last time because you notice something. In a way, it's the Muppet equivalent of MacGruber. And <laughs> I, yeah. I think that uh, Fozzie would obviously be the MacGruber character. Oh, yeah. And and it's so good that they found roles for all these people and how um, I'm thinking of just movies where people are in like let's say an Adam Sandler movie he always has a spot for a Rob Schneider role they always have a role for a specific Muppet so they write this movie like saying who can be who in this story they all must read this story nonstop and just try and cast their own 
house of talent. And I think that's so cool that they were able to do it just four years after doing Muppet Christmas Carol. They were able to once again find perfect ways to fit all these beloved characters into something that works. And then having the human characters mean just as much. And the only thing I do, uh, like, am a bit upset about is there is a bit of a lack of swashbuckling besides Mm. like that last scene there is not that much pirate stuff because i love the muppets uh you guys can see me right now but like the way the muppets walk and bounce around you don't see that that much because i want to see more of that with swords yeah and uh that they didn't do that much i know it's the nature of the story itself means that like all the pirates are hiding so because that's because that's built into the story you're right you do get a lot less pirates until much later into the the film, and and it's the soundtrack is just stellar. That's what I appreciate the most in the rewatch, uh, and that's not just as a musician because uh, like you have the original Muppet movie soundtrack, and that's one of the greatest soundtracks of all time. There's no question about that. And uh, with this one, you get the songs, and you you just non-stop songs and none of them seem arbitrary they all seem necessary and uh, that's a problem that i have with musicals where it's like there's filler songs all these uh, songs in this movie seemed righteous and during uh the pandemic i was just thinking about cabin fever i'm like i've got cabin fever yeah. and uh so so i got that stuck in my head during the pandemic when i had cabin fever and that's uh, so this awesome mo- and i think that this movie is also something that can be timeless. I think Muppet Treasure Island will have just as much an appreciation. I think it has more of an appreciation now with just people who grew up with it and rewatch it as adults. Mm-hmm. And I think in 25 years from now, it's still going to be relevant versus uh, like Muppet Caper is not that good. Uh, and then there's Muppets Most Wanted. Also, I'm not that big of a fan of, but there's some of them that just have that timeless feel and Muppet Treasure Island because it's such a timeless story that the skeleton is that the the meat on those bones is always going to be relevant and i think that this movie is going to live on for longer than we do and with every muppets resurgence and with them reintroducing the muppet show on disney plus i think that um muppet treasure island every 10 years or so is gonna have a new audience and that's so cool yeah uh well danny henry our time has come to an end thank you so much for joining us on thank uh, you guys what a delight what a delight what a treat uh it has been to talk muppets with you danny uh before we uh close out our show with some plugs why don't you go ahead and plug whatever you want uh all the uh the creeps and weirdos out there to know about you um, my name is Danny Henry. People tell their friends about me. They don't believe I'm real. So if you meet if you meet me, I'm probably going to say drug dealer's handshake, and I'll shake your hand, and you'll have a sticker in your hand at that point that says Danny Henry is real. Yeah. Um, For proof. I'm, I'm a musician. I write songs. Check that out. Um, I'm a huge Muppets fan, obviously. I'm also a huge New York Mets fan. Uh, so I want that to be known. Just like, let, let's go Mets, always. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I'm from Connecticut, so I'm a nutmegger. Mm-hmm. And I, I moved out to Los Angeles. I'm so glad that I got to meet you, Jeremy. And yeah, dude. We, uh, my three heroes in life, Brian Wilson, uh, Jim Henson, and Fred Rogers. Mm-hmm. So those are my three biggest wow. heroes. And 
Uh, it's so cool to have been invited to be on the show. So thank you guys so very much for having me. If you do another Muppets Month, I can give you a structure on how to make another Muppets Month. I can give you a, a, a structure. If if somehow Disney, when they like monopolize the next rights issue, they release the Muppet Babies, Ooh. I would love to do a top five Muppet love Baby it. episode. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, we'll definitely have to keep that in mind. That is uh, something yeah. I'd love to revisit because I think there's about another month's left of movies uh muppet movies uh that we oh, haven't yeah. yeah i brought some up that you didn't even know about yeah well like, we didn't the, do the seagull some... movie we didn't do most wanted we didn't do in space and um that's it right swamp years is theatrical Sw- uh, well it's not theatrical but it aired on cable and that's a full-length movie oh yeah we didn't, I didn't even know about it, that one so yeah it's not that good but i'd love to discuss it Great. Uh, well, you can follow uh, our show on Twitter at Hubie Halloween One. You can follow me on Twitter at Ocarina of Crime. Uh, again, if you are listening to this on the Patreon, we absolutely thank you. Bless your heart for subscribing to our Patreon. We certainly appreciate uh, you giving us uh, your money and time to help us make content. We couldn't do it without you. If you're listening on the free feed, consider joining our Patreon. We we have a really good time over there. Uh, again, we just closed out Muppet Month. We're excited to get started with a brand new month full of, of, of weird content for you that is just, you know a complete departure from the main feed. I mean, Eric, we really let our hair down over there in the, on that. Page. We, uh, man, my hair could not be lower. I'm just looking at, <laughs> I'm looking over at this, what is now like two years worth of uh, bonus content that we've yeah. been doing. And mm-hmm. we've done episodes. We've done uh, one of my favorite months, no shave November <laughs> where we covered <laughs> films where in which a, a character cannot cut their beard, which is very hard to think of movies besides yeah. Castaway. It was hard uh, to, to find movies we- other than Castaway, where the main character was not allowed to shave their beard uh, for No Shave November. But we did it. We actually found them. <laughs> right. We did a whole series on Tales from the Crypt. We did. Um, what did we? Oh, we do fan requests. We have like a whole tier where you can basically force us to do an episode on any movie you want, which has been. Those are some of my favorite episodes, honestly. Yeah. When the crazy folks like Brian come in oh, and yeah. force us to watch a movie like uh, Stay Tuned. Yeah, for you sure. Know. And we also do have a tier that if you pay us enough money, we will watch the movie Mordecai. But it's an ungodly yeah. amount of money uh, that no I one. I think should I lowered it to like five hundred dollars. Okay, something. so if you pay us five hundred dollars, <laughs> we will review Mordecai on our Patreon. So, uh, yeah. and with that, Eric, you want to close us out with your signature line and cut. Mm-hmm.